Well, you can turn in your Bibles to Judges. We're looking at chapter 7 this morning. And um, as Charlie mentioned, um, the 316 mission, I encourage you to go swing by the table out front. There's a really cool stickers and t-shirts and stuff like that. Just really great uh, merchandise, but most of it's free, so that's kind of cool. But, um, but it's a great, great outreach. It's uh, just the whole concept is just being able to preach the gospel using John 3.16. Just simple, cut and dry, basic gospel of Jesus. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful thing. So make sure you swing by and, and check that out. It'll just be next to the hospitality out front. All right, so you guys ready? Okay, here we go. So President Harry Truman defined leadership as getting others to do what they don't want to do and like doing it. Have you heard that before? It's a pretty good definition. And you think about throughout history, there's been so many leaders, like really great ones that have done good things, pretty bad ones that have done a lot of bad things. But make no mistake, there's leaders that have put a mark on human history. Amen? I read somewhere that, that, you, that Napoleon's uh, toothbrush was auctioned off for $21,000. This toothbrush, not because it was like really good, you know what I mean, but just because it was Napoleon's, right? So it was worth that much, you know, because he was such a leader, you know? But I, I wonder sometimes, like, when God looks down on this world, if he sees people the way that we see people. You know, we look for the brightest and the strongest and the tallest and the bestest. You know, we elevate the actors and the actresses in Hollywood and the NBA pros and those that have the most Instagram followers. And we, we elevate those people. But does God look at them and go, wow, I really hope they join my team. Yeah, you know, like you think that that's what he's thinking. He doesn't. I mean, you think about, remember, remember the story in, in, um, in 1 Samuel chapter, uh, what was it, 16, when Samuel goes to, uh, to go anoint the, the king of, of Israel, and he goes to Jesse's house, and um, Jesse brings out all his sons, one after the next, and what was Samuel looking for? He's looking for height, good leader face. Six-pack, you know, all that kind of stuff. And remember what God said? God tapped him on the shoulder and said, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And who is God thinking about? A little boy tending sheep out in the field. That was God's choice. God doesn't see the way that we see. We look at exteriors, but God looks at the, at the heart, and I'm awfully glad that he does. It's like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 27-29. He said, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world. To put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, and here it is, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, the world may classify someone as broken, weak, foolish, despised, 
But God looks at that person and sees the potential, sees that if he fills them with their spirit, they're capable of doing anything. God very often uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary, doesn't he? You know, um, I know I keep telling stories from South Africa, but it was a cool time, so I'm going to just tell another story. So, but there was a, there was a woman there, that um, her name was Andre. She was about 65 years old, she was a seamstress. Um, in this obscure city of Parle, South Africa, kind of a nobody, really, you know. And and God, God broke her heart for the children in the townships and the shanty towns, you know. And and she she would actually go spend time there, and she would bandage the wounds of the children, bring them food, you know, listen to them and care for them. And over time, like they started coming to her house, they walk all the way to her house you know, for food and to bandage their wounds and to help. And in the really serious cases, they'd ask her if they could stay there. And, um, and she ended up housing, feeding, clothing, and putting through school 12 kids from the township. You know, in, in the city, like almost nobody knew who she was. Isn't that amazing? Nobody even knew her name. They'd be like, oh, that weird lady that buys all the food and diapers at the grocery store, you know. But it was because she was, had such a heart and God was using her in an incredible way. Because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we saw this with Gideon last week. Remember, Gideon was from the, like the least tribe in all of, of Israel. And he was like the least in his clan. He wasn't the buffest and the brightest. He was the leastest. <laughs> And God looked at him and is like, man, a mighty man of valor, you know, and then uses him to lead Israel in a victory. So we're continuing this story this morning, and we're going to see how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Are you ready? All right, let's read the first eight verses of chapter 7. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for, for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go, go not with the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by, my, by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets. I love that. 
they're going to war, and it's like, what should we bring? Uh, trumpet and <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> sorry, I just, I'll just keep reading. Okay, trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of, the, of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those three hundred men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. And God, we want to thank you this morning for this time that we could study your word. And just, yeah, there's nothing like this book, God. It is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets into us, Lord. We're not just, this isn't a book club, Lord. This is, this is holy ground. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, have, have your way here this morning. This is your house. Do, do what you want to do in each and every one of our lives. But we need to hear from you this morning. So we pray you would touch us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's take a little inventory here. There's 32,000 Israelites. Okay? And there's 135,000 Midianites. Okay, the odds are 4 to 1. It's already like a bad situation, right? And Gideon's prayer, he should have just been like, Lord, there's too few. But the Lord beats him to it in verse 2 and says there's too many. Gideon must have just been like, you know, I'm no mathematician, but I'm kind of thinking we need more, right? And now listen, like, I don't know about you, but I, like, I love movies about underdogs. You know those things where it's like, you know, like Hoosiers, I think that was, you know, Remember the Titans, Facing the Giants. I looked at Mike when I said Giants. I shouldn't have done this. I'm sorry. And, uh, <laughs> so mean. Let's not. Okay. <laughs> you know, where, where it's like, there's no way that this team is going to win. There's no way. Like, the coach is always sleeping. They're always fighting. All of their gear is tattered. And then there's some change. You know, they get a new coach or they get a new wide receiver, and then they win the championship. You know what I mean? It's just the underdog wins. This is not that story at all. This is a, this is a complete miracle of God. That's what's going on here. And, and, and God tells Gideon this. He says, lest Israel claim glory for itself. In verse 2, God didn't, he didn't want it to even appear remotely like it was an underdog story. He wanted to make it very clear that this was going to be for his glory. So God gave these guys an opportunity to walk away. He said, if you guys are scared, there's the door. And 22,000 walked away. You think Gideon expected that? He was probably like, you know, maybe 800 max. And then 22,000 just get up and walk away. I bet there's something in it. He's like, I, I didn't mean scared. I meant dared. Who felt dared into coming out? You know what I mean? And he just, as, as all these guys walk away, because the army went from 32,000 down to 1,000 versus 135,000 Midianites. So then verse 4, God says again, it's still too many. It's still too many. It's kind of interesting the way that um, they determine whether the person should leave and, or stay in the army. It's how they drank water, right? And so the, the one guys, if they, if they got down on their stomach and they lapped up water like a dog, they had to go, obviously. 
because that's just weird, you know. But you know, then the other guy, like if he got down on one knee, you know, and 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 drank the water like this, brought it to his mouth, he could stay. And um, you know, some people have said, and I'm sure we've we've all heard this before, that the reason those guys could stay was because they were alert, right? They were like, you know, they could see what was going on as they were drinking. And you know, as Christians, we're supposed to be alert. Amen? Like, we can't put our guard down. We can't be sleepy. We got to be awake, right? So you can see, like, okay, maybe, but I heard this thing this week that I was like, wow, I've never heard that before. You ever think that maybe the guys that only got down on one knee could only get down on one knee and not all the way down to their belly because maybe they were injured or they were elderly? I, I, heard, I, I heard that and I was like, Amen, brother. I feel your pain. You know what I mean? I'm like, you wake up in the morning, you're like, ooh, that's new. You know, it's just like something falls on the ground, you're like, that is a long way down there. I'm going to get my extra set of keys. I'm not going down there. I might not come back. You know? <laughs> so not only is this army reduced to 300, but very possibly it could have been 300 elderly, injured people. Oh man, the odds are stacked against them, huh? We're looking at 450 to 1 now. <laughs> but I love the Lord's math, don't you? Amen. Remember that story? Remember that story um, with Jonathan and his armor bearer? Remember? And, and it was like, Jonathan's just like, let's go. Let's go into the Philistine camp and let's just, let's just do this. And he says in... Um, 1 Samuel 14, 6, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or few. <laughs> that is our God right there. He doesn't need a big army. 300 injured? A-okay. We can do it that way. But I was thinking about I mean, you know, we studied chapter 6 last week, and, and we saw how Gideon was kind of a fraidy cat. You know, he, was, he struggled with his faith. It was like a little shaky. Like, how do you think he's feeling about now? I mean, at, at, with 32,000 troops, he was probably like, that ain't enough. How are we going to even, we're outnumbered here. Didn't stand a chance. But you know, I was thinking about this. You know, sometimes the Lord takes us through seasons where he'll whittle us down a little bit, chisel us down a little bit. Ever been there? Are you there now? Some of us are. You know, with our friend circles, financially, uh, at work, you just feel like, I'm in a season of downsizing, just in general. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we've all been there, or we are there right now. Some of us are, you know, met with health decisions we have to make in the workplace that could radically affect our our career. You know, this crazy stuff going on. But could it be just like Gideon, like the Lord is up to something? Maybe there's something miraculous he has up his sleeve. There's something, something amazing he wants to do. Maybe, you know, he wants to teach you something that you've never, that you didn't know before. Some kind of revelation, something amazing he's busy with. But I got to say, we got to be careful in these times when we're getting chiseled down. Because you know what our flesh does? It immediately reaches for something to numb the pain. Immediately. 
Have you ever noticed that? And I, like I saw it as a pastor during lockdown, COVID, all that stuff. Christians reaching for the bottle to numb the pain. Numbing their minds with just TV series after series after series. Binge watching till their brain is numb. Prescription drugs, social media for hours. Just to take the edge off. But does it? Does it really? And the crazy thing is, as Christians, like we know better. We know better. But our flesh is strong sometimes, you know? And brothers and sisters, I just want to say, like, that stuff ain't going to do the trick. Never, ever does. Never, ever does. And it actually does more damage. Well, the Lord comes to Gideon and, and speaks his word. And his word is always something that actually encourages. Notice verse 7 says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people just go. Every man to his place. Let it go, Gideon. You know, if you're in a season where you're getting chiseled down, just let it go. Just trust the Lord. Let it go. God says, I'll be enough. I'll defeat these guys with the 300. I got this. I feel like somebody needs to hear that this morning. Because <laughs> he's more than enough. He's more than enough for us. You know, that word encouragement means to have courage poured into you. Did you know that? To be encouraged means to have courage poured in. And nothing pours encouragement or, or courage into our troubled hearts like the Word of God. Amen. Like something happens when, we, when we're seeking the Lord through His Word. Something happens in our hearts. Like we get built up. We get strengthened when we study His Word. Such a good place to be, especially nowadays. There is so much information flying at us constantly. News, fake news, bad news. I read this quote this week, um, and I don't know who, who said it, but it's, it's a lie travels halfway around the world while the truth is still busy putting its shoes on. Man, that, is, that was 2020, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? So much fake news is just like, whoosh. And then the truth comes and everyone's like, no, nah, that can't be true. Like, it's crazy, huh? And in this world, in this culture where it's just constant, we're just getting bombarded got to be in the Word, brothers and sisters. Got to be drinking this thing in, because this is good news right here. Amen. This is truth right here. This is, this is something you can stand on. All that other, you can't stand on that other stuff. This is like a rock. We got to be in the Word. And um, Psalm 119, verse 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, a bottle of Jack Daniels. No, it doesn't say that. Seeing if you were awake. This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. Your word has given me life. Man, there's something, we, like, I just encourage you every day. Every day, guys, be in the word. I know this is Christianity 101, but I just got to remind you. Got to remind you. Every day, sit in his presence. Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me. 
Well, let's move on. We're going to look at verses 9 through 14. It says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he, then he went down with Porah, his servant, to the outpost of, of, of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Malachites, all the people of the east, were, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in the multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion, and he said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of, the Midian, of Midian, and it, and it came, to, uh, came to a tent and struck it, so that fell and, and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his, then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So the Lord now confirms the word that he gave Gideon in verse 7, right? Because dreams, or I'm sorry, yeah, dreams confirm, wait, dreams are, con- I'm so botching this up, dreams, <laughs> back up a little bit, okay. The Lord confirms his word through dreams. Thank you, thank you. He conf- Not the other way around, okay, Listen, prophetic words, dreams and visions, those are awesome. They're biblical. Okay, It talks about that in Acts, talks about that in 1 Corinthians. As believers, we should be all right with that. But those things never contradict Scripture. And if they do, they're out. But have you ever had a moment or a, a prophetic word that lines up with God's word? And you're like, amen, I needed that. Right? That's how we can navigate those waters. It's how we verify and validate prophetic words. This dream was awesome. Barley bread? Was anybody reading like, barley bread? What's up with barley bread? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Barley was the most common grain back then, and the the peasants ate it because it was so cheap, and they fed it to the animals because it was so cheap. And... um, and it, was a, it wasn't a rock that tumbled into the camp and wiped out the tent. It wasn't a, you know, a guy on a white horse, a warrior on a white horse. And it wasn't a Sherman tank. It was a loaf of barley bread, the most common kind of bread you could possibly get back then. And Gideon's like, hey, that's me. Because he was such an ordinary guy, common guy. And he saw through this dream, that's exactly what God said. That through 300, we're going to be able to wipe these guys out. Now, I said it before in chapter 6, we saw how Gideon had such a hard time trusting the Lord. And God helped him. God helped him in his shaky faith. Remember in chapter 6, he had um, the the angel of the Lord tap the sacrifice with his staff, and the the whole thing went up in in a fire. And Gideon was like, okay, God's with me. And he's like, ah, but you know what? Like, what about a fleece? And he lays out a a fleece and does it two ways. Make sure, you know, the the fleece is wet, but the ground is dry. Flip it around and the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. I think I said it right. But um, all these things just to to prove to Gideon that God was really with him. Because he had this, like, 
difficulty trusting the Lord. And I said it last week, like, God entertained it. He wasn't like, all right, enough's enough. Come on, Gideon, just get with it. But he like came to Gideon in his struggle. And he ministered to him there. And I see that in Scripture sometimes. Remember doubting Thomas? You ever read that and you're like, come on, Tommy. Buddy. You know? But Jesus showed up and he's like, put your, hand, put your fingers in, in the nail prints. Go ahead. And he helps him in his, in his struggle there. I think about Mary, the Virgin Mary. She, you know, Angel Gabriel's standing right there. And she's just like, I'm sorry, but how is this going to work? I'm not even married, you know? And, you know, God's just good like that. In our struggles, like, to, to come and, and help us. Help us along in our lack of faith. You know, sometimes, I think in our prayer lives, we're not real honest. Like, we come to Him, and we make ourselves a lot tougher than we actually are. When, like, really, we're, like, we're a mess. And our prayer should be, like, help. But instead, we're waxing eloquent and repeating things we've heard other people say. God appreciates the honesty, guys. And I, I say that, but I, and I would never say you shouldn't be reverent. Like, we should always be reverent in the presence of the Lord. We should always come with the fear of the Lord in our hearts and humility. But man, we got to come honestly. we got to come honestly. Because he died for us. He didn't die for some weird religious version of ourselves that we're trying to put out there. He died for us. Good old, messed up us. Bunch of barley loaves. Bunch of barley breads. Died for us. And I just encourage you, like, come honestly. If you're having trouble trusting, tell him. Like, God, I, I don't see how this is going to work. Help me, Lord. And after all this, check out Gideon's response in verse 15. It says he worshipped. He worshipped. He bowed before the Lord. That word worshipped is, is the Hebrew word shakal. Sounds like a bird, huh? Shakal. <laughs> and it means face down. It means humbled. It means to bow. And Gideon was, I mean, this is a huge turning point in the story. Because Gideon's no longer looking at his own strength and ability. He's no longer looking at his status and the social whatever. He's not even looking at his army. He's just bowed down like, God, this is all we got. And I'm surrendering it all over to you. I don't know how this is all going to work. But you do, Lord. You do your thing. Man, there's a lesson in that for those of us that are in a place where we feel like we're getting chiseled down. Reminds me of the loaves and the fishes. 5,000 hungry people. How are we going to do this? Well, I got some loaves and I got some fishes. I, this is all I got. And maybe that's you. You're whittled down to a little bit. Just go before the Lord and be like, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work, but, but I surrender. I bow, Lord. It's all I got because we got to bow before we go into the battle. we got to worship before the warfare. It's critical. Verses 15 through 23, here we go. 
And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand and an empty pitcher and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. And when I bow the, bow, blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me then also will also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and were, that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpet and broke the pitchers, and they held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord in Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. And when the, when the three hundred blew the trumpet, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia, toward Zerah as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabith, Tabath. (laughs) Oh, man. The men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh and pursued the Midianites. Don't you love the strategy? 300, that's already crazy. And now they're coming with pitchers and trumpets. Just incredible. You know what I mean? Just something else. I mean, the generals, if there were any generals there, they were probably like, you know, we were thinking catapults, and you're thinking trumpets. Like, I'm no Miles Davis. We're not going to, you know, kill him with our great, you know, trumpet abilities here. You know, how's this all going to work out, Gideon? But don't you see with those clay pots, don't you see that thing that Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4, 7? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're a lot like those clay pitchers, aren't we? Those clay pots. Earthen, sometimes pretty dry, (laughs) sometimes a little cracked. But man, when we're broken, when we're broken and our eyes are on the Lord, like Gideon's eyes are on the Lord, the glory of the Lord comes out. Man, have you ever seen a Christian going through a trial with their eyes on Jesus? It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Because they're walking through this thing and you're like, dude, you should have no joy. There's, you, should, you should have no peace in your life right now. And they're just passing through this thing. You ever seen it? I've seen it on this side of the world. I've seen it on the other side of the world. Christians walking through trials where the glory is just com- the glory of the Lord is just coming out. Just like this cracked pitcher and the light comes out. Because you know a believer can see that God's the only one. God's the only one that can make beauty from ashes. He's the only one that can take brokenness and bring light out of it. He's the only one. He does it in this situation here in Gideon's life and he does it in ours. The difference is where's our focus? Because if our focus is on ourselves and our own abilities, you know what's going to come out? 
fear, <laughs> right? Fear, anxiety, stress, depression. But if our focus is on him, light's going to come out. And then the world, the world hears us as Christians talk a lot about peace and joy. Like, come to Jesus. He'll give you peace. And we talk about it. But man, when we're, as believers, when we're passing through trials, and that peace and that joy is coming out of us, now they're seeing it. They're not just hearing about it, they're seeing it. This tiny army, not a sword drawn, the light's coming out. Who gets the credit for this one? Gideon. No, God does, right? God does, because he's the only one that can make light shine out of a broken situation. Check out the response. I'm going to finish with these two verses, verses 24 and 25. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the, the watering place as far as Beth Bara, the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering place as far as Beth Bara and the Jordan. And they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb. They killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued Midian and, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. What was Zeb's mom thinking? Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that short for something? Or just, that's it? Like it's just okay. You know, Israel was was so encouraged to see Gideon and, and this ragtag group of 300 send this army on the run. I mean, they, they come pouring out now. Remember, they were hiding up in caves and dens. And now they're running out after the Midianites. And they realize something. Baal, remember they were worshiping Baal. Baal never gave us the victory. Baal had them locked up in caves and dens. And now they see Gideon walking in the power of the Lord. And they're like, I'm, go, I'm coming home. I'm coming back to my Savior. I'm coming back to Yahweh. And this is the point where they repent. After a very long time, they finally repent and give their lives back to God. And I find it so interesting that the story begins in chapter 6 where? In a wine press. In a wine press. And where does it end? The first time we meet him in the wine press, what's he doing? He's hiding. Now we find him in the wine press and he's courageous. He's victorious. What changed, I wonder? I wonder if God changed. You're all supposed to go like this. <laughs> that never happens, Bryce. God doesn't change. Did his circumstances really change? Sure, the Midianites were, you know, kicked out, but there's always another battle. There's always another battle to fight. Gideon changed. His perspective changed. His focus changed. He remembered who his God was. He remembered who he is in his God. And all of it. And, and he remembered. He remembered that God can make light come out of a very dark situation. And we find all of Israel following his lead. You know what? I see Jesus in this story. Big time. Big time. And I want to leave us with this. Because we were surrounded by enemies. 
enemies of, of our sin, had us held captive, um, death had us defeated. And Jesus came in the form of a man, right? An ordinary man at that. If you ever read uh, um, Isaiah 53, it, it says, He had no form or comeliness, and when we saw him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was just an ordinary guy. Kind of like Gideon, just a, an ordinary guy. And remember Gideon like finally bowed before the Lord. And we know that, that Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. And he was broken. And he was broken. And what came shining out of that that happened on the cross? Salvation. Salvation for each and every one of us. And the enemies went running, didn't they? And they run from us as children of God. We've been given authority in Jesus, not in ourselves, in Jesus. Amen? Wow. I see Jesus in this story. Listen, um, maybe you're here and, and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you haven't asked him into your life. Listen, can I just encourage you, give your heart to Christ. Maybe you can, you can so relate to hiding in dens and caves and being broken down and held captive by sin. Listen, Jesus is the Savior. And there's no one like Him. Religion and drugs and alcohol and all that stuff, there's no hope there. There's hope in Jesus. And I encourage you to give your heart to Christ this morning. Right now. Father, we thank you for this amazing story in your word. It's miraculous, God. And it's almost like handcrafted for us to get our focus off ourselves and off our circumstances and just to see you for the great God that you are. Because only you can take an impossible situation and turn it around. <laughs> only you can do that, God. And I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, that, that find themselves in this kind of situation where they feel surrounded, where they feel beat down. God, would you just remind them of your goodness and your power, God? Would you remind them that, that you conquered death and the grave on the cross? And if you can do that, God, you can do anything. I pray that people leave this morning encouraged, built up and strengthened and walking in their identity in Christ Jesus. Pray for those, Lord, that maybe don't know you today. May you soften their hearts, God, and may they come to you. Thank you for this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just want to remind you, if you need prayer for anything, we have really awesome elders at this church, and they'll be kind of stationed in the front. If you've given your life to Christ this morning, they'd like to spend some time with you and pray with you and uh, give you a Bible. So, um, yeah, God bless you. Thanks for listening to me the past couple of weeks. Appreciate it. Thank you.